welcome Rocketeers. Oh, you're starting. And welcome <laughs> Rocketeers. <laughs> We're glad to have you back on our second episode of the BSLI pre-fight checklist. And today we have Joe and Harrison on today. So Joe, can you introduce yourself? Hello, hi, yeah. Uh, my name is Joe Yanaska. I will be a fifth year, Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> aerospace engineering student going into next year. Um, I am. I have the opportunity to be the incoming president for BSLI as well. Really looking forward to working with the team on that stuff. And yeah, happy to be here. Happy to kick off the second episode of this podcast with you guys. Glad to have you on the show. Harrison, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure, of course. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Harrison Kirby. I'm the current president of the fantastic Buckeye Space Launch Initiative. Um, and a little bit about myself on the team, I've been on it just as long as Joe has. I've been uh, a project manager. I've been a sub-team lead and as president. I've really, I've really seen pretty much everything this team has to offer and uh, met a lot. I know a lot of a lot of people on the team too. So um, yeah, but I'm really excited to kick off the podcast. I know Trevor, you're bouncing. I you've been talking about this podcast for a long time, so it's been it's been really great to start to see some of these episodes come together. I'm really excited. Thank you. I've been excited about this too. It's take a long time coming, and I really hope that these podcasts inspire people to come up with more topics and just hear us talk about BSLI and weird, fun space adventure stuff. Awesome. All right. So to warm us up, what have you guys have been doing on your quarantine and your free time away from Zoom University, of course, <laughs> and you know, getting through all that, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can go ahead and take that question to begin with if you want. Um, well, I, I caved in just before the whole state shutdown it happened. I uh, went and bought myself a banjo. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so I've been practicing that a lot. It's been really fun. Just, I mean, just having all the time, it's nice to learn a new skill and stuff. Um, it's been really great. Um, so I've been doing that. Gosh, what else? It's hard to think back, you know even though you know you've, you've done so much. Um, a lot of running, like going out once a day for like a run has been really useful, especially for like breaking up the day too, because, you know, with staying inside this whole time, it kind of, you kind of feel like it has a lack of structure. So being able to be like, okay, all right, at 2 p.m. I'm going to go out and run or something. It's been really helpful just to like break up the day, you know? Um, so I've been doing that kind of stuff. Gosh, I don't Trying to get back into some video games as well. Um, but yeah. Oh, Harrison, how about you, man? Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty much the same trying to keep myself busy. I've been, I've been trying to do a run every day because everyone's like, oh, if the apocalypse comes, I gotta have all my toilet paper. Uh uh. If the world's gonna end, I better be able to run a mile without stopping. That's, uh, that's a key factor right there. (laughs) I feel uh, on that. (laughs) All kidding aside, yeah, I've been, I've been really just trying to find myself keep myself busy too i've been wanting to get into woodworking and actually um Ooh. i'm working on making a jewelry box for my girlfriend right now i know Very she's not, nice. not going to listen to this podcast so she's still going to be surprised <laughs> and uh yeah just trying to keep up with school it's nice i haven't i'm actually from out of state i'm originally from illinois so it's nice to be back to be with my family and catch up with them uh, my sister's birthday is next week actually so it's happy it's early the first time i get to celebrate <laughs> be home to celebrate her birthday in a while but yeah just trying to keep fit trying to stay active um and then yeah honestly i feel like 
I feel like I've been ever busier than I was when I was at campus, which is weird because I'm because we're no longer there. But yeah, I definitely school and BS Live and keeping me busy. Yeah. So wait for the woodworking stuff. Do you do you have like a home workshop that you're doing that at? Yeah. So my actually my dad has a lot of stuff because my grand my actually my grandpa was really big into woodworking. So he passed away this past uh, this past fall, but. Um, he had a lot of woodworking stuff that my dad ended up taking. So we have like, you know, table saws, miter saws, um, like a couple of hand planers. So definitely there's, there's enough to be able to make, make some stuff for That's sure. Cool. How about a wooden rocket? Make that. Ooh, can you make that could, for us? <laughs> could make a wooden rocket. We'll see. I unfortunately don't have a lathe and that's probably the number one thing you would need, but anything that's square, I can make some nice launch boxes. I'll tell you that. Ooh. I mean, the whole dilemma with you know having fuel on board, right? You don't have that problem. The whole rocket is just fuel. Yeah, you can <laughs> burn the whole rocket. It'll burn up like a candle. <laughs> well, for me, I've been you know cruising. Well, I can't technically say cruising around. I've been doing a fitness challenge with some of my friends out in California. And nice. we've been doing a daily 50 push-up challenge. So I'm already at over 350 push-ups in my span of a week and two days. Wow. So that's, that's that's like, I try to do 50 all in once. So basically the highest I've gotten wow. has been up to 35 push-ups straight. And then I end up finishing in like the next video. And then we started recently a sit-up challenge. And we've done... So this is day two for me. So I've still have four more sit-ups to do. So I was trying to see how many I could do straight. I can hit 40 sit-ups straight. And when I was, when I reached the 40 sit-ups, I was like saying, hey, I could do like the last 10. So I started doing my crunches. As soon as I started the seventh crunch, I cramped and rolled over to the, my <laughs> side. And I was like recording so I could show my friends that I did the 50. I literally reached over to the camera and said, cut, acting like if someone was actually <laughs> recording me. So it was really bad. You may see it on Slack. I may post it up there for giggles so if people – a really interesting seeing me cramp and roll over on the side. Uh, hit me up on Slack and I'll send you the video. <laughs> All right. So yeah. the real question is how do we how do we bring the straight arm challenge home? Are we mm. gonna? You know, I was thinking about that. You know, okay. So all we have to do, well, okay. I took a picture, mm -hmm. the leaderboard right before all this stuff went down. So I have the current standings. Right, so all we have to do is – I know a lot of people don't have to have weights. So I do you have, have that eight-pound weight. Mine is blue, so I'm ready <laughs> for this. <laughs> right, but a lot of people don't have that luxury, so we need to find a list of household items that are about equal to eight pounds. All right, and if we can if we can make a list of rules you know, with like a recording and you, know, you have at least two people watching, you have confirmation in your non-dominant hand, I think we can keep it going. Joe, I can make this a little bit better. Can we okay. do it, can we make it a Zoom call so we can we see it live? Know. Boom, Absolutely. boom, guys, I got the answer here. Ready? All right. A gallon of water. Guess how much it weighs? Eight, Eight pounds. Eight point three four pounds. That's there we enough. go. That's good enough. <laughs> a gallon of so, water? Are you serious? Yeah, it's eight pounds. So all right, listen to everyone on the BSLI. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and get get a milk jug, fill her up with water, record yourself, put it in on Slack. We are going to see. We're going to continue the non-dominant hand straight arm challenge. 
Is this the water challenge? Good idea for a social event. It yeah. really is. This is a straight arm water challenge. Water the joke challenge. Gallon of water challenge. Yes. All right. Yeah, I guess we need to rebrand the gallon challenge, right? Because the last time that was a challenge is people throwing it on the floor of grocery stores, right? Oh, yeah. No, we're, this is not that kind of a challenge. This we are. is the BSLI challenge version of the eight-pound challenge, guys. We're taking it to new heights. Yes. Wow, I never imagined like holding that weight that it would be like a full jug of yep. water. Now, is milk heavy? I guess they're different densities, so they would be. Different. Yeah. Gallon of milk. Let's see. Let's ask the great Google. No, <laughs> gallon of milk is about eight point six pounds. Oh, so that's like expert expert level. Yeah. If it's whole milk, it'll be heavier, and if it's skim, it's lighter. <laughs> so that's bias. So you're just sticking with water because everyone's water yep. should be roughly the same. Yeah. 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 Okay. Unless you got lead in your water, then I'm sorry. You probably have bigger problems. I'm sorry if you have lead in your water, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> All <Good> right. <laughs> that was a great warm-up, guys. I think we're ready to go on to our first topic. And our first topic is talking about pass and fail classes. A lot of students have been curious about what classes that they should take pass or fail with. Can I get some of your advice on what you guys think on what classes to pass or fail on. Harrison, would you like to start? Yeah, sure, I'll go ahead. So actually, I was thinking about doing pass-fail for some of my senior classes. Um, and I think the big thing that you really need to consider with pass-fail is if um, is if, if you're really, your situation right now, the coronavirus situation right now is really affecting you, affecting you in a negative manner, and it's really hurting your school studies. Like I know for me, I'm a senior second semester, so I'm super fortunate that a lot of my classes are pretty easy right now anyway. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do any less work by doing pass fail, if anything. And, and I mean, my, like, honestly, no, my GPA is pretty much locked in anyway. So I was like, you know what? I might as well just keep my classes, but definitely I know that there's a lot of first and second year students on the team. You guys are, I know you guys are worried about getting into your majors. Um, I mean, it could be, it could be strategic if maybe you're above the cutoff. So I know mechanical, it's like 3.3, 3.4. So if you're above that and you're maybe worried about one of your classes dropping you below, I think you might be able to do pass fail and then that won't count towards your GPA, but you still have credit. Uh, but I, inversely, if you're, you know, underneath that, grade point and you have to get up i mean you definitely you have to get letter grades this semester or else you might not be able to to make the cut too so um i think Situation. those are probably some of the big concerns um i don't know i know university-wide non-major classes i think it was approved to do pass fail but so i think well. most engineers consider their gen eds to be easier anyway so you might want to keep uh keep those as a letter grade i don't know what do you think joe well, see, okay, so I'm in a unique position as well because I'm doing pretty much all GEs right now with, because with leaving during the fall semester last fall, I missed the fall aerospace classes, so I couldn't take the spring ones this semester because I didn't have the prereqs that were available in the fall. So I took a semester and I'm finishing out all my GEs, um, as well as taking a few minor classes. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, yeah, it's really situational. It really depends on you and how you're doing in school. Like I, when I think about it, I'm like, I look at the class, I'm like, okay, how am I doing now? How do I think I'm going to be doing in like a month? And will that negatively affect my GPA? 
Like if, if I think that if I think it's gonna bring my GPA down, then I'm like, okay, yeah, pass fail. You know what? I mean, no one likes to be in this situation of doing stuff online. So and the the options there for you. So if it can help your GPA, like I say, go for it. Um, but again, like if it's if you need to bring it up, then there's a dilemma. Like okay, now you know maybe you gotta work a little bit harder on these classes um, to try to bring your GPA up. But yeah, no, and like. Other people too. Like I, one of my old roommates is a med student, um, and he's got like he's like one of those 4.0 GPA guys, right? Um, so he's pretty much going to do all pass fail because his at his point, if he's not getting 100% in his classes, his GPA is going down. So it kind of makes sense to do across the board pass fail just to lock in that GPA, you know? Um, yeah, it's just it's situational, I think. But, yeah, I would say the big exception is he accepted into med school already? Because I know no, grad school and law school is not. He's not no. Okay, okay. I know I've heard that grad schools and law school and med school are they're def. I mean, they're obviously have to take in pass fail into account because I think OSU was actually one of the last universities to approve doing pass fail. So everyone knows that you know the class of COVID is going to have a, whole, a lot of students with uh, pass fail on it. So right. I think, I think if you're thinking about grad school, maybe definitely you should be weighing that into uh, consideration as well. But yeah, I know I, I, I guess Joe and I had a little bit of, we're really saying it's you guys need to think about it, which obviously isn't, I know that, that might sound like not helpful advice, but I think, I think the conclusion we've reached Joe is if you're worried about your GPA going down, then you should really be consider pass fail. But if you need to get if you need your GPA to keep going up, and you feel like this is a good semester for your GPA to go up, then by all means st- stick with letter grades. Don't do pass fail classes. But I know we do understand that both of all three of us understand that everyone's situation is different. So if you know schools, if some if, if your situation something's going on with your situation, and you're considering taking pass fail classes, then I think that might be a potentially good idea for you. Yeah, I would, I would like oh. to throw in another thing is that I saw some like colleges on the university, they say like the ones that are like prereqs to get in, they may want you to keep like at least like a letter grade in that sense, whereas like your general education English, like you may need like a C minus to get into the school. So they may not take that as a pass or fail likely, but you have to, you know, go to the college website and make sure you read through all the information that you get from your advisors. If you're like a little bit question on the lines that should I pass or fail this class, when in doubt, ask your advisors, set up an appointment. I understand the deadline for these pass or fail is in 10 days, April 17th. If you haven't seen any emails, please reach out to your advisor. I highly encourage it. Set up an appointment and help you, you know, decide what you want to do. Also talk to your professors. I talked to my organizational behavior professor and I was trying to figure out is it worth to keep that class though it doesn't affect me since I'm like it's like one of those core business classes where it's like you have to take you can't get around it so it's okay if you do a pass or fail scenario because it doesn't affect my major so you have to look at those cards as well in those sense but like I sat down went down through the grade scale and I came up with like if I got like a B minus on the exam I could basically get a B in the class and it's like you don't know what the curve is going to be, so you have to take that into consideration. So yeah. work with really, your professors on those as well. It's really interesting too to see the difference between universities and how they're handling this, because mm-hmm. I know in like the rules around the whole pass fail, um, like 
I don't know, method. Like, I know um, Ann Arbor, you know, the school, Michigan, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, they, I'd have to refresh myself, but it's all, I think it's, it's either mandatory or, or straight away they're like, okay, all classes are available for pass-fail regardless of major, GE, whatever. But then the cool thing that they're doing is, like, you can do it almost without any, um, like, I guess, what's, like, any penalty or ambiguity or any, like, um, confusion. Because what they're doing is you can you can apply for pass-fail now and get the pass or the fail. But then later, if you feel like, okay, I did really well in that class, I want the letter grade for it, then they're going to give you the option to go back retroactively and, and turn that pass-fail back into a letter grade. Interesting. Which, yeah, which is, yeah, because it... Cause that way you don't have this whole dilemma of like, okay, do I go pass fail? Do I not? Right? Like it, it really eases the the thought process on that, which I think was really nice. That awesome. Yeah. I feel like what they should do put on a transcript. If you select pass or fail, you have a pass or fail, but next to it, it would show like the potential letter grade you would have gotten. So people would start to question on what you got. It's there, but you pass the class. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That just sounds like a letter grade with extra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to make it look nice. You did well, but, you know, the grade still can be seen. So if people ask, you don't have to go through hoops to try to reach back out to your university. Like, what did I get right. in my chemistry class back in the day? Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the hope is just people going forward are going to be understanding about it, you know, mm -hmm. like. Everybody can't function, you know, to the best of their ability that they used to in traditional classroom setting, right? So you hope if, you know, if you're an employer or an admittance for a grad school or something and you see a student with a bunch of pass-fail, the hope is that, you know, they're like, okay, well, this student clearly doesn't do as well in this forced environment, so let's cut on some slack and look beyond that, you know? I mean... We're all going through this, so you gotta cut, you gotta cut other people some slack, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but I would definitely, again, recommend everyone. I mean, we're just, we're all a bunch of undergrad students, so if you really are concerned about pass fail, please, please, please reach out to your advisor and talk to them and get their insight on this. Yeah, I guess to to wrap this topic up, what classes would you recommend? Like thinking about like what classes in the past that you struggled with and wish that you could have done a pass or fail with if you were in this scenario right now? I mean, again, kind of going back to what we said, I don't really think it's class specific. I think it really is person specific and like performance specific, you know? Because mm -hmm. like, like if it was me and like I'm not doing, if I didn't do too hot in like uh, whatever that that combined chem class was, you know, someone else like really well. Chem 1250 with Zelmer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll give you an answer, Trevor. If I could have taken one of my classes pass fail, I definitely would have done differential equations pass fail. Oh, Honestly, okay. saying like retroactively, can I choose something? Because boy, do I have answers for you then. I mean, yeah. if I if I was taking differential equations right now, I would definitely take that bad boy pass fail. Yeah, I'd do Calc 2 all the way if I could go back and change <laughs> I feel like if I would have stuck with Math 1172, I would have made that pass fail. Yep, that's the one. That's yep. the one. Physics, I just did well, and, like, I got through it. It wasn't pretty, but I got through it. But I would definitely make Chemistry 1250 definitely pass fail. 
That class made me have blood, sweat, and tears. I did all of it. Yeah. And I watched yeah. a kid's titration go south. Zelmer walked up to the kid's <laughs> titration, touched it, turned it hot pink, and walked it, told the kid, you got to redo that, and walked away. And I was next to the kid. I'm like, whoa, this man is ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I never man. had the pleasure to meet that guy. <laughs> All right. Nice. Let's move on to our second topic. We're going to look at some of our struggles on BSLI, some of the difficult times that we came across. So, Joe, I'll start with you. What were some sure. of your challenges that you faced on BSLI? Yeah, so I touched a bit on this in my um, in the video I posted for the president like election thing. Um, but if you haven't got a chance to see it, uh, I kind of talked about how I w used to be really different of a person a few years ago, especially socially and like outwardly. Um, I used to be very quiet, very non-conversational, very isolated. Um, so really coming into this organization as a freshman um, and even more, even a little bit more into my, my sophomore year, it was, it was a little tricky to make some friends and really feel like you fit in. Um, like, I would really just like this is back when the meetings were in that room in Bowles Hall. I would really just kind of show up. Um, gosh, back then James was the he was the team or the the sub team lead for Aerodynamics on 30k. Um, yeah, I'd just kind of show up and kind of listen to people talk and not really give any of my own input, which I guess as a freshman is not completely a terrible thing because you know you're still learning a bunch, but but but. Yeah, really a hardship was just trying to feel like you fit in and, and breaking the ice with the people around you and feeling like you belong. Um, and oh, I'm just hoping that, you know, as as people like us become leaders in the organization, that we can kind of cultivate a better atmosphere, that people don't feel that as much. And I know that's probably impossible to eliminate, um, but looking at how to maybe make it more friendly and welcoming um, it's definitely something I want to look into because that's definitely something that I faced in the past. Um, but again, uh, kind of going along with that, it was this team that helped me break out of that shell and kind of, kind of change, not change, but like kind of led me more towards kind of an extroverted personality than introverted. Um, just because there were those people on the team that were super friendly and they just reached out and they kind of made it their goal to, you know, talk to me and open me up and make me their friend. So that's been really useful. Like, I think um, as in terms of personal growth over the past four years, I really think that that has been the biggest change I've seen. And, yeah, it was because of BSLI. So. It's hard to imagine you, Joe, not being social, but, I mean, I guess I guess I didn't really know you until uh, yeah, until you know, junior I, year. I didn't talk to you. <laughs> Because I was like, so for a little bit of contact for those, um, for the younger members on the team, so I think it was two years ago, we actually both ran for project manager for the uh, the oh, same yeah. job, and we had both been on the team for two years, but I don't think we had ever we had ever met each other. That's right. Think. Yeah, that's kind of what paths first really crossed. I forget about that all the time. Yeah. I can't even imagine me being a project, like being voted <laughs> for one of those positions that year. That that would have been bonkers. I'm I'm glad the way things went the way they did. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was uh, that was a crazy year as project manager. So you, uh, 
Are you all? Can I segue into my yeah, stories? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. So, I would definitely say the biggest, the toughest thing I've ever had on BSLI was when I was a a project manager last year. So a little bit of a little bit of background context. So I've been on the team. We used to have a project called the Active Drag System. So essentially, at you know at spaceport, we want to get as close to the target as possible. So the Active Drag System would take in the velocity and acceleration, calculate out a trajectory, and uh, essentially figure out where the rocket's going. And if we're going too high, we have some air brakes on the rocket and the raspberry pile, step on the brakes and be like, hey, slow down, guys. And so we would get as close to the target as possible. So um, so I was I was on that project my freshman year. And um, yeah, there were, there were three of us on it, myself, Jake Eisen, and then the 10K lead before myself, Mark I. But that was... Uh, yeah, yeah, Jake. That's that's actually Jake. Jake Eisen was my first, really the first person I got to know really well on the team. So, uh, but yeah, so the three of us worked on it, and then it, honestly, with the active drag, the big the big challenging thing about it is that you can only really collect data when you launch a rocket. And how many times do we do a full scale launch a year? Twice, you know, once a test launch and once at competition. So. It's definitely tough to work on something when you can't really test it out all that often. Yeah. Um, so that was a, it was a struggle. So then when I was, um, so then I ended up leading the project the next year and learned more about simulation hardware in the loop. And uh, Harry did Harry and Adu Vengel, uh, they both did a lot of good work on trying to simulate it and as well as developing hardware in those loop simulations. Out in industry, if you ever hear hardware in the loop. That's essentially when you're trying to test something without having to actually run it. So like hardware in the loop test of F-35 would be putting the avionics and feeding it the data and pretending like it, the jet fighter is flying. But really, you know, you're in the basement of a lab in Scott Lab. So oh, cool. essentially, we worked on a bit of that. But then definitely when it came around to my time as project manager, um, this was so this was last year I was. We were planning to compete, have still send two rockets to the Spaceport America Cup. And one of the things they had said at the beginning of the year was that we will allow two different teams from a university to compete if the two projects are so sufficiently different. And so actually we had just placed first in the division, second overall for 10K commercial off-the-shelf uh, categories. And plus we had a lot of really payload-driven projects on 10K, whereas 30K was really a lot more about engineering and the aerodynamics and really pushing the limits of the design as much as possible. So um, we were pretty sure that we would be able to compete and plan throughout the whole first semester in the fall, getting our designs together, getting a lot of things built, um, getting, getting actually a decent amount of the technical report done even before we started building. Um, and then right around, I think it was about December, three days before finals in December, we got the news back that only the 30K team was competing and the 10K team was not allowed to compete. And we weren't even allowed, they said we weren't even allowed to do a demo launch. So now you have, probably being a project manager, 30 people figuring out what to do. I mean, it's, it's very tough. And I think it's very similar to what a lot of you guys feel right now getting the project canceled. But I definitely think the big thing I took away from it, and it's kind of really one of the one of the biggest learning experiences of my life has been like you, you still no matter what the situation is, like you're going to get the best results if you put the best attitude, the best effort into it. So right. 
we decided to continue the project and do two test launches and really try and you know get a lot of video at the test launches um, generate a lot of marketing material get some marketing material more photos and pictures and news art and be able to use it for news articles and as well as really making sure that all the team members knew what was going on to be able to bring that to the team of the next year so um, we did end up doing two the two test launches. I think everyone had a lot of fun. We had a couple of videos actually of all the all the content from it, and um, I'm pretty sure I know a lot of a lot of everyone stuck stuck around from that year, and I know a lot of NASA's leadership actually people who were trained from uh, from that 10K project. So definitely, when it comes to struggles on BSLI, I think working on something for a really long time and then realizing that plans change like it's it, it's tough and it stinks. It's frustrating, yeah. but at the same time, I think that's one of the realities of the aerospace industry. Um, yes. Definitely, it's. I kind of, I kind of a joke that you know, it's not a real rocket launch until you've delayed it at least once. When I worked at ULA this summer, they, a lot of rocket launches got delayed. Aerospace projects get delayed all the time, so it's definitely. You can work on something for a long time, or even maybe say you work on a, a rocket project and then you, you spend – like the Spaceport team last year, you spend all year working on it. You go to competition, then you have a motor issue, and you think, did I, did I waste a year of my life working on this project? And I think to have that mentality in, the indus, in this industry is simply – you can't, you can't do it. You really need to ha be able to have a positive attitude, try and have a, a better outlook. I know – I mean I know that sounds generic, but really – Trying to focus on the good things and the things you're grateful for and the things that you learned, I think that's really important. And not only just in the aerospace industry, but in life too. It's like focus on the good things and bad because there's always going to be bad things to worry about, but you just be grateful for the good things. So yeah, yeah, it's really it's a it's a net positive gain, right? So even if you don't finish it out, there was still so much good that came out of all these projects. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And no one's going to be able to take away everything that you've learned and all the experiences and the trials and errors you've had along the way. Like You, you still keep all that no matter what happens at competition or we'll know what happens on launch day. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the biggest lessons of this team and do us a lot is how to deal with setback and failure and just right. how to keep moving forward with that. Uh, I got a little story about setback. So you know the 10K rocket that we launched my freshman year, so like in the summer of 2018? for that competition. So the little there's a little story behind that nose cone. So when we were doing the layup at the CDME before it was completely done, I was asked to get Hartner, like um, more epoxy. I grabbed the wrong thing. I grabbed Hartner. So we started ended up mixing Hartner and Hartner together. Uh -huh. And like we put like at least like four sheets down into that. And like John Titus caught it luckily. And it's like we literally had to quickly strip off those four strips, cut out new um, fiberglass like nose cone templates, and like quickly redo the layup since like epoxy was still carrying on the other side of the rock like of the nose cone. So like in that process, like being a freshman making that mistake, it was like I just screwed up the entire rocket, and like we were trying to launch for our, our test launch that um, spring. But we were able to quickly cure it. We didn't put it on that test launch, but it was that nose cone was later then end up being used for that 10K that ended up winning for competition that year. 
Nice. So like the like leadership from that team really fostered like if you made a mistake it was okay and we were able to bounce back from it. and that's what i appreciate about that leadership team and like what i've seen from year in year out with this organization like older members do help out and encourage people it's okay to make the mistakes and like they're very opening understanding so oh, they yeah. they're never going to criticize you oh you made a mistake you didn't mix the right ratio properly they're going to say you came through, you made this error, now let's correct it so you don't make that mistake again. So they're there to teach you and help you learn along the way. Right. Yeah, the ultimate goal of the team is not to win, you know, or really ultimately it's not to make something that flies. Right. I mean, it is, but really it's the learning experience, which is mm-hmm. what we're going for. As long as people come in and they've learned and they've gained experience that will be useful for them going forward, in this industry and in their professional lives. And I think we've accomplished our goal. Yeah. And definitely to say with that too, it's, I think when you, when you learn and you really know how to do something well, that's where, you know, that's where the trophies and the recognition and everything comes from is because you've, you've learned how to do it and do it well. So I would definitely recommend like, don't worry about making mistakes or doing something wrong because quite frankly, the oldest people on this team are only have a year or two more experience than someone who's, was brand new so i mean everyone had to go through learning things and i definitely definitely recommend just keep learning on bs law keep learning all right guys so let's let's bring this topic home let's talk about future plans for bsli so joe since you are recently elected president what are some future plans that you know hope to unravel some little sneak peeks sneak peeks (laughs) (laughs) i mean sure yeah, I mean, okay, so, I mean, with President, there's a lot of the standard stuff, right? Like, you got to keep the team running and functioning. You know, you have the exec board, you have the delegation and stuff. Like, you know, you got to exist as an as an administrative team to function for the project managers and the projects, right? Because the ultimate goal of these teams are to have projects that are healthy and that they can run both administrative, like, like financially and just run, you know, as a, as a machine. Um, so you can have those students underneath that, you know, doing the learning, doing all the good stuff. Right. So there's, there's all that. Right. And of course, you know, coming into this, you always want to improve with that. Um, so there's a lot of things that'll be going on behind the scenes, you know, improving how the admin team runs, how communication is done across the team, how communication is done downwards. Um, but at the same time, um, there's, there is that, you know, that physical administrative stuff, but then there's also the more like, I don't know, I don't know if spiritual is the right word, but like the more like a big idea type culture, team health kind of ideas, right? Like you've probably heard us say a million times throughout the years that on BSLI, we're really trying to work on culture. Um, this was an idea that I know the project manager, when I was just joining Nick Flesher, he really tried to tried to hammer down and get something us get us younger people thinking about. Um, and it's made a long lasting effect on the way I think about leadership. Um, because when you're when you think about some of the big goals of of BSLI, like you need recruitment and you need retention and you need people to be in a good atmosphere, right? All of that kind of happens on its own if you have a good culture, if you have created a place where people enjoy being where they feel like they're making an impact you know with the people around them um and so the big question is how how do you do that and i think that's the question we should all be asking ourselves 
every day, every week, every meeting is what can we be doing to make this team feel like a more of a community? How can we make people feel more included um, in our activities and in the team? Um, and also things like how do we make it more diverse? How do we reach out into the community that is the Ohio State University? And how do we pull people from from all walks of life, like all different majors, races, you know, gender, all that stuff, you know, and that, you know, aside from just, you know, the day-to-day administrative stuff, those big things are something I really want to work, work on. Um, and like, as it kind of goes, some of the solutions for that stuff, I think what I want to do is really reach out to experts on this stuff. Like we have really good resources here. We're super lucky to have leaders that love our team like Dr. Newton and Dr. Horak who themselves also have a great network of other people who can help us. I really want to work with them to make things like culture workshops for for not only the leadership team because um, I do think it would be nice to get the leaders in you know a kind of a, a small kind of atmosphere to talk with them but also like I want to get these people in to talk to the entire team right so maybe during like a general meeting once you know we have you know, have a professor or, or Dr. Horak come and talk about leadership or Dr. Newton come and talk about, you know, diversity or inclusion um, just to really enlighten us all on those topics. Because, I mean, you could probably go out and try to find a textbook on this stuff, but I don't know. I don't know how, how – I don't think anyone wants to sit down and read that. Um, <laughs> no, they do not. Yeah, but really you get – you learn this stuff from – from exposure from other people and you learn it through other people so i really want to try to expose us to that kind of stuff going forward um yeah and kind of moving on from that too is and we, we talked about this internally a little bit but i mean and this is perhaps um biased maybe but i think bsli is the coolest greatest student org on campus no doubt right um and sometimes when you when you see it from the outside, you know, or if you see how like the university in, interacts with us, it kind of feels like that's not a shared opinion. So I kind of want to, I want to try to find ways to try to show the university, show the community that hey, like, you know, we are a really important team within the, the university, and you know, we should really be pushed out there, you know. Like, yeah, to go off of that point, Joe, actually, when I was doing my – so when we did president's training, we had to go – we got in little small groups um, to talk about our clubs and our organizations. And yeah. when I said that we're the team on – the group on campus that launches rockets, like everyone's like, oh, my goodness, that's like so cool. Like you guys must have like one of the best clubs ever. Like that is so crazy that you guys just get to go and build rockets and launch them. And, you know, after being down the ditches with BSLI, like you kind of you kind of lose sight of really what you're doing. Like – Building rockets, like yeah. that's something I feel like most of us on this team, like we've wanted to do that since we were little kids, honestly. Right. And so, to be able, like, don't lose, don't don't lose connection to who you are and what you're passionate. Yeah, it does become a little normalized after a while because you, you it's every day, you do it every week, kind of, you know, it starts to feel like routine. Yeah, you know, you're right. Sometimes when you talk to other people about it, they're like, "Wait, seriously? That you're doing that now?" In you, um, so that don't. I think that only. You know, hammers the point in further. Like we, I think we really, and if if not already, I think we have the potential to be, you know, OSU's number one student organization. Um, 
But yeah, no. So I definitely just to, agree. I agree on that, Joe. Yeah. So I don't know, just trying to find ways, you know, and I don't have all the solutions yet. Um, but just trying to find ways to, you know, get in there, get our our word out there, and work with the university to do that more often. Um, and you know, we're we got some cool stuff already. Like you know, the Rockets and Scott Lobby are fantastic. Um, I'd like to get. You know, we've always tried to get that video on the Scott Lobby. I think that would be really helpful, too, going in that direction. Um, trying to get more visibility on our things like our newsletters. I think that will also help. Just And, you know, social media, too. You know, we've had a big boom with that lately, um, which has been really nice. So I, I think all these things will start to come together. Um, we had a really good base this year. So I think building off that, it, you know, it's only going to make it better. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what you guys do. To yeah. build on to that, like when you guys talk about like the university on the outside, it's like when people on the outside look at BSLI, they just don't understand it. But when you're in part of BSLI, you can't really explain it. And that's, it's a weird right. conundrum on that. But it's like, it's almost sort of true in that statement. Yeah. It's like you build rockets, like how do you build them? Then you go in detail and they just don't understand how you build these rockets. Uh-huh. And then, like, how to explain it into a simple enough term is, like, maybe a struggle for newer members or even some of the older members. Because, like, I've seen that, like, when we do conferences and stuff, it's like, well, I didn't build this. I can't really talk about it, but you're really fascinated about it. But we yeah. end up flagging down someone who, who worked on that project in previous years, you know, tell the person about it. So it's like the team has, like, that great team culture. Like, if you don't know something we're willing to find somebody who helps you know it or find the right person to get that person connected with. And that's the beauty of BSLI there. Yeah, sure is. It's pretty darn sure cool. Is. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of really great stuff that goes on on this team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Yeah, tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely going I know you you've been talking a lot about doing more things university-wide. And I think that that's something that I've ha- I had on my list of things to do for this year, and I think it got, uh, got cut a little short. I know um, I've been really trying to connect us with a couple more offices across the university. Like, I know we've been really working hard to try and get Buckeye Events Network connecting with them. Yeah. I'm trying to connecting with the corporate engagement office here on campus. I've been, I've been working on that. As, we've been working on that as well. And then I think, honestly, we should – if if the weather was nice, I wanted to do just a day with us out on the oval. I think that could be that could really be huge for yeah. just getting our name out there. Just having the rockets on the oval, getting those good old popsicles on a hot day, handing them out, just having the rockets out and talking about what it, we do. That would be good because then it's like uh, it's not like the career fair where we're like one of I don't know hundreds of org. It's like, hey, look at us. We're the only ones on the oval right now. Like we exist, you know. Exactly. exactly. Doesn't like the geology club, no, not the geology, like the weather club, have like a weather balloon. Sometimes they sit on the oval and you can just like see like one of those like war balloons up over like the university in the oval. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something like that. And I know, I know Jake was working on getting an event for us in the Ohio Union and I think that ended up being canceled because of the current events, but we would have definitely been able to do a couple of things in the union as well. So, yeah. I wonder if they uh, would let us. Have you ever done those? Um, where like you get you get uh, those two liter bottles, empty two liter like Coke bottles. You fill it with water and then you like pump air into it and let it like shoot off. Have you ever done that? I, I have. I've not. But it's basically just bottle rockets, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. basically a bottle rocket. But then it shoots yeah. off a bunch of water and you can go chase it. I wonder if the university would let us do that on the oval. 
Well, I feel like you probably way to find out. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, like, it's just a plastic bottle. So like, like, well, how, how much harm could it actually do? I mean, it's going pretty fast when it comes <laughs> up. <laughs> Uh, Just as long uh, as it's not going too fast and it comes back down, I guess. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get the recovery team on that. Yeah, all right. Recovery team, I'd like to see some options in the Slack channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys, you want to start closing out this podcast? Any final closing remarks that you want to share with people? Um, well, just, you know, stay safe, everybody. You know, take, you know, I'm sure we're all taking this seriously, but, you know, it, it will pass soon, hopefully, or maybe not soon, but just keep your head up. You know, I know being alone is hard. Being trapped inside all day is, is tricky, but just keep on the Zoom calls, you know, keep calling your friends, keep keep working out your hobbies, you know, we'll, we'll all get through this together. Awesome, Joe. Yeah, if I if I'm gonna give uh some all everyone on BSLI some advice too, keep uh keep coming to the training workshops. Harry had a really great open rocket presentation last week, and it was it really it taught. I learned a couple new things about open rocket, and I've been I've still been working on it for the past couple of years. And we're gonna we're gonna keep doing more of those training sessions here too, and we're gonna post them on uh on our YouTube as well. So um so also if I mean if you're not on BSLI, maybe you're listening, you're one of our team supporters or just just a friend of the team maybe you're listening to this podcast i think we're going to have those training sessions on there too so you can you can go to our youtube channel and follow along on those and definitely just reach out to us too if it's maybe you're listening to this a couple months from now the coronavirus is over reach out to us and see what we're up to we'd love to connect with you as well or if you're listening right now we definitely want to connect with you learn about what you're doing and um maybe some of the ways that we can collaborate with you. So thanks for having us on the podcast today, Trevor. Yeah. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Joe. You guys did a fantastic job. I also want to thank all the Rocketeers for tuning in, all of our alumni who are going to be tuning in. And I want to also thank our sponsors who may be listening into our podcast in the near future or later down the line. But again, Rocketeers and everybody, thank you for tuning in and stay healthy. Remember to wash your hands and be safe.